Hello and welcome to the Super Show podcast. Today I am your host Alex Jones and I am joined by the always professional, the always handsome, it's Jamie. Thank you for having me, Jonesy. It's always exciting to hear which adjectives you're going to use for me this week. Um, and I understood them all this time, unlike when you called me effervescent or whatever. Yeah. A sparkling drink. Uh, 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 yeah, again, I kind of get it, but these were these were simpler, so I thank you for dumbing it down. Uh, you are most welcome. Uh, we are a video game podcast, if you couldn't tell already, by however you clicked on us, found us, saw us. Um, you can find us all over the internet because we are on YouTube and Twitter at Super Show Pod. We are also available across podcasting platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. But we are also, we are also on paisleyradio.com, Thursdays 10pm, repeated Mondays at 10pm. Um, and today, we've uh, it's not the heaviest week for news, but we've got some good stories for you. We're going to be talking about um, some layoffs and cancellations. Unfortunately, they're going to be coming back to the industry this year. Uh, we're also going to touch on PlayStation's lineup for their um, first state of play for 2024. Um, but first of all, Jamie, before we get into that, yeah. we need to talk about. We're going to do this a little bit early because we're 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 a couple of days early, but we're doing some fan service because we're going to do the um, requested for feature, which is where we talk about the games of the month. Um, so we're not talking about the games of. Uh, January, obviously, because even though it is January today, we're going to push it out and we're going to talk Feb. Yeah. So if we did it next week, it would be the 5th of February and the best games of the month would pretty much already be out. So, <laughs> Exactly. So we thought we'd, we'd get it done early. Who, I can't remember who it was who requested this. It was a damn good idea. It was one of God. our... Um, uh, who was it? I can't remember. It was one of our amazing patrons. I know. And they said, could you please read out the games that are going to come out this month so we know? So yes, we are going to do that. And the first one that we're going to touch on is actually the first news story that we're going to touch on right after we've talked about these games because it's Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. And you may be surprised because there are no reviews out yet, but that game is coming out on the 2nd of February. So you only have to wait three days if you are a well, normal person. Yeah, I guess it also depends how much money you have to spend because if you are willing to pay $100, then you don't have to even wait those three days. You could be playing it right now obviously depending on whether or not the servers are up. That's a little tease for anyone that for anyone that's not in show business. That's a little tease for a segment still to come. That That is your little tease right there. Um, we've also got Persona 3 Reload coming on uh, Feb 2nd as well. And then Foam Stars on the 6th of February, which is going to be free for PS Plus subscribers. Hell yeah. Um, Helldivers 2 is coming February 8th. One that I never played Helldivers 1, but I'm looking forward to that. I may try and wangle some stuff to see if I can get my hands yeah. on it. See. It's going to be interesting to see how that game reviews and how well it's managed that transition in, I guess, perspective. So obviously Helldivers kind of had that slightly more isometric point of view, I guess you'd call it, whereas this looks like a more of a traditional third-person shooter. Um, I want to see... How well, yeah, how well that carries over, and also whether or still some of the kind of the co-op chaos that seemed to be particularly popular, particularly popular in the first one, is maintained with that new perspective. Yeah, yeah, and you hope that it would bring, you'd keep some old people and bring some new people, so maybe it'll just create a nice big melting pot of everybody. Um, on Valentine's Day, the one and only uh, Tomb Raider one to three remasters are dropping. Um, so whilst you're not out at a romantic restaurant with your romantic other half you could be playing those games instead no yeah or have a wank over lara croft which just as a little heads up completely free is free and if you do the special swan dive in the uh in the pool in 
uh, Tomb Raider 1, she takes her clothes off. So here's a little hit, a little life hack for you, Jamesy. If you close your eyes, she's always naked. I I think I remember as a kid thinking that you could make her take her clothes off and trying to do that hack or whatever you they called. Uh, yeah, but it was because, and it was twenty years later when someone was like, you know, that wasn't real. <laughs> yeah, well, you, well, you you were a kid in an era where it was kind of it was almost easier to start a rumor like that than it was to disprove it because you couldn't just go on to social media or reddit and find hordes of people that have got video evidence of the fact that this doesn't work it's you know someone from another school tells someone at your school and it spreads around your whole year and before you know it, everyone believes that the, and then it's you know you think oh maybe i'm doing it wrong the timing's off i've <laughs> you know i've got the input slightly out our place but the reality is it just never existed also the reality is even if it did exist a couple of pixels for boobies wouldn't have been that amazing i mean anyone who's played Duke Nukem 3D would know that uh, getting flashed by a two-nipple, two-pixel-nippled stripper is kind of pointless. True, but if it fucked with the certification, you know, if the BBFC had caught on whiff of that back in the day, that might have been trouble, because you remember, although, don't get me wrong, far more extreme than some very pyramid-looking boobies, but of <laughs> course the, the hot coffee uh, situation oh. that GTA San Andreas suffered meant that they had to... I think some units of that game got recalled and they had to, I don't know if it was temporarily or or what, but I think they had an AO rating for to see of the ESRB for some time because technically I think if you had an action replay, uh, then just with a retail copy of that game for PlayStation 2, you could you could get some hot, the hottest kind of fucking Jersey, which it turns out is fucking where you leave your jeans on. Carl Johnson, aka CJ, doing it old school. That's what I've heard. It's not socks. It's this jeans as well it's it's all the oh, oh you just undo the fly that's the he literally he's got that he's he's such an og he's such a gangster he doesn't take anything off he literally slips his member out of his zip and um and the, the rest is history yeah that's the uh so if you are doing anything with your romantic person on valentine's day that's the move just undo the zip you don't need to take <laughs> anything else off Tell 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 you tell your significant other that it's called the move's called the CJ and they'll they'll understand the CJ yeah this is the CJ what if they really like it and that's it your rest of your sex life is is clothes on zip undone and that's how then you do it from now you, on you just better hope that you never get caught anything caught in that zip and that the 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 Frank and the beans are never the wrong way round <laughs> Franks and beans yeah indeed. Uh, back to the games February 16th we'll see Skull and Bones finally released from Ubisoft it has been a long time coming but it's finally coming apparently uh, so we'll, we'll wait and see uh, Mario vs Donkey Kong is also going to be released on February the 16th um, and we then have Pacific Drive on Feb 22nd and on Feb 28th should be the last day of the month Brothers A Tale of Two Sons remake but no Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth have decided to do the unthinkable and release on a leap year day, which Feb 29th is, which is outrageous. But there we go. I kind of admire it. Like, if, if I think if I was releasing a game, if I was a video game publisher, looking at the schedule, the devs told me, like, hey, we're going to be ready to go. By the time we've gone gold and press discs and all that kind of stuff, we're going to be ready for end of Feb. And I looked and it was a leap year. I would absolutely release a video game on February 29th. Uh, I might accept I know that the leap year day is evil, and so I wouldn't do that. Oh, uh, you're right. I did forget about that problem. The fact that it's a it's a satanic day is evil, and of course, 
there are going to be a lot of people who are really, really into Final Fantasy that will want to celebrate this game's anniversary for years <laughs> to come. And I can't wait to see that community tear each other apart as they figure out whether to do it on February 28th or March 1st. Or whether they just do the other thing and say, no, we're only allowed to celebrate every four years. Oh, yeah, there will be a great um, like tweet from Hard Drive Magazine in 2028 that says, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth turns two today. <laughs> that I remember speaking to a kid when I was a kid, and he said to me, I'm actually only three years old. And I was like, what? Uh, he said, because oh, I was born in leap year, and so you're 12, but I'm only three. And I was like, no, you're not. That's Very clever. Not, that's not how that works. Anyway, something else that is clever is to watch this live right as it's happening on YouTube rather than waiting. And right now, before we go into our first story, I would like to give a quick shout out to some people that have chosen to do that very thing, uh, if you will um, if you will allow me, Jamie. So I would like to give a shout out to Leo Dunlop, Colin Few, Classy Cat, The Fall of the 11th, Rodrigo, The Funky Penguin, and Magni, who's joining us. So look, Magni, you said, sorry I'm late, but you were here early enough for a shout out, so you weren't late at all. There we go. Exactly. Um, so yes, as you probably guessed, because of the thumbnail, the title, and everything, and the fact we've already alluded to it, the first story that we're going to have to touch on today is the very rocky start that Suicide Squad um, Kill the Justice League has gotten. Uh, the first indication that something may not be right was the entire development process of the game, but the second indication, oh, <laughs> that something might be right, uh, not be right, sorry, um, was the fact that there were no reviews released um, for this game for some reason. We didn't see any reviews. I believe we even had the conversation last week, if I remember rightly, Jamie, about by this time, we sh by t yesterday, we were saying reviews will be in and we'll be able to have a look and, and actually talk about what people are saying. But obviously, that is not the case. Yeah, potentially. Like It's always hard to know exactly. Uh, there are a number of different things here that kind of mess things up. One of them, obviously, as we talked about earlier, is the fact that there are multiple different editions of this game, and one of the perks that they are more than happy to sell people is the ability to start playing the game early. Um, and the other thing, obviously, is we're talking about a live service game that has an always online component to it, and as we'll get into in a, mo in a moment, you can only play this game in, in any shape or form when the servers are up and they are not suffering or undergoing maintenance or anything like that. And so... Things like that always kind of make it very a little bit tricky for traditional outlets uh, to put an exact date on when they're going to have a review because it's like, okay, well, let's say even if they get given access to the big fancy special edition of the game, are publishers or whoever you know gets to flip the switch or push the red button, are they going to put the servers live early just for critics? If not, then do critics have to wait until there are some members of the public in there but not all members of the public? It's always a little bit of a gray area. I get that. What was different here, though, is that rather than, say, Warner Brothers getting out ahead of that potentially sort of fuzzy period of news and, you know, on, on unorthodox cadence of reviews, it was the uh, outlets themselves, um, and primarily IGN, which was interesting for reasons that we'll get into shortly, that came out on social media and said, hey, uh, we're not going to have reviews ready for you guys in time um, because we are... Uh, and this varied, I believe, from outlet to outlet. Either we're not getting review copies of the game or we're not going to get copies of the game uh, and access to live servers in time to actually formally write a review and put it out to you before it's on the market. 
But of course, in the case of IGN, it was a little bit more extreme where they seem to confirm, and I don't know whether this has changed since, that they wouldn't get copies at all from Warner Brothers, which again is unusual. If you're trying to market, you know, what is a, a flagship game, there's absolutely no question about it. A Warner Brothers published video game with the DC, you know, license attached to it and so on and so forth from Rocksteady. One of the, this is, whether you like it or not, one of the biggest games of the year. To make the choice to not send any copies to the biggest video game website in traditional terms uh, that's still out there. Um, it feels like you're trying to send a message, even if it's a, a very covert one. Um, and and uh, clearly there were some people at IGN or and beyond who felt the same way about it, right? Yeah, it is a weird one. And also not so weird in some ways. So look, we all know that IGN sort of became the poster boy for the rough... Uh, the rough previews and you know a number of headlines that ver weren't very favorable at all to Rocksteady to Warner Brothers before the game came out and then there's also the side of it that's like as you said um, just then nailed it's really hard to sort of give people the full experience on a live service game when you when how do you do it do you make the servers live early so they can play it do they play yeah. a differentiated experience are they just going to play like the main story stuff but actually they're going to miss out on a whole host of content because they can't play um, you know the the uh, side of the game where they're like playing with other other players, interacting with other you know other people. It's really it's really tricky. But this does seem to be different. This does seem to have some bad blood tied to it because yeah, as you said, the idea that IGM weren't even going to get copies of the game post release is kind of crazy. Because you you'd think yep. that maybe at the very least they'd be able to do a um, what do they call them like a review uh, in uh, in play review or a you know or the, a review so far. review in progress yeah review exactly. In pro exactly. Um, this does seem like Warner Brothers are a bit annoyed at, at the, the way IGN have treated them. But then, yeah. But then, to be fair to IGN, they're just if they're just trying to do their job, and, and loads of other people have had similar opinions to IGN. What is that? Is that Warner Brothers just going to say if you give us bad um, a bad write up on a preview, then we're just not going to supply well, games to you? That's crazy. It, it does seem a little bit crazy, and definitely, you know, there's some element at play here. And I, I want to be careful that sometimes I'm I'm aware that sometimes when we're referring to things that IGN have quote unquote done, sometimes we're actually referring to things that employees of IGN have maybe said on social media, and some of those comments have been said in passing, or maybe tongue in cheek, or maybe we're reading too much into them. I get that there's a you know th th this is a slightly more nuanced uh, discussion than I perhaps am making out to be at times, but like there's definitely it, it, the feeling definitely uh, yeah, occurred to me that I, so either IGN or people within IGN were trying to make it look as though, or trying to create the optics, that Warner Brothers aren't sending us copies of this game because we wrote, and it could be because we wrote bad reviews, but hey, just so everyone knows, like the sentiment here is that like publishers withhold copies of the game when they're nervous about the kind of, um, well, for two reasons. They're nervous about the kind of coverage they're going to get, or because their their relationship with that uh, outlet is fractured for some other reason. That has happened in the past. The most famous um, occasion of that, you know, going back some time now, is of course between Bethesda and Kotaku, where Kotaku were just outright outright blacklisted for what Bethesda saw as kind of like a, a breach of a number of sort of sort of informal agreements around talking about. I think it was, I think it might have been Fallout Four. I can't remember exactly what and le quote unquote leaking information. Um. But the thing about this is that games that are reliant on server-side content, they have always been difficult to review. And while I can't remember any off the top of my head, I have absolutely read reviews 
from IGN or from GameSpot where they have voluntarily, they themselves have said, hey, this is a review, as you point out, a review in progress at the moment. We're not going to put a score on this because we feel like we owe it to our readers to wait until the servers have gone live and the game is released to see what the online experience is like for members of the public so that we can offer a review that's representative of the you know of what the public will get to to they have been willing to do that before even when they've had access to some parts of the game well in advance so for the the story to change somewhat here to like now ign is putting the almost like the onus on warner brothers they're the ones not sending us copy they're the ones stopping us doing our due diligence and you know fulfilling the service that we give to you and enabling you to make the right purchasing decision for themselves it, it is interesting to see that kind of situation reversed and i wouldn't be surprised if there was a sentiment within an, within ign that this was a case of hey we weren't too kind to them last around at a preview event that we were invited to like they've whether i don't know if they were flown out ign have a big enough crew that they probably had someone in whichever city it was based in but you understand what i'm getting at like they were invited to a preview event that warner brothers held they probably had some very small triangle sandwiches that warner brothers paid for um and then within within a month they're not going to send any copies of the game at the ne the next traditional round of communication. Like, I think that that strikes me as very much intentional. I think it strikes IGN as intentional, but it has been interesting to see how some people within IGN have tried to kind of like, not have, have the, the conversations that have been created as a result, as a result of what's happening. Um, yes, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. One thing that strikes me as a little more interesting about this, and uh, maybe I'm totally wrong, maybe it's changed, in the last sort of four years, but a company, the uh, uh, sorry, a channel that the company Web um, Warner Brothers used to be relatively friendly with in the UK, I would say, was our very own, and we used to get yeah. quite a lot of um, uh, invites and stuff from from Warner Brothers back in the day. I never saw them as a company that sort of like were were a bit um, uh, weren't forthcoming with copies of games and things like that to people that they saw it worth worthwhile. So it kind of even it's, it lends a little bit more. Um, ammo to the idea I think that uh, Warner Brothers are a little bit annoyed with IGN and that's why they haven't sent them out because they usually are yeah. a good company to do preview stuff with to do review copies with they're, they're quite forthcoming and friendly and all sorts so yeah that this does you know this doesn't bode well but hey look so we didn't get the reviews okay the game is coming out in, in on Friday at this point so you know about uh, depending on when you watch this like three four days um, yeah can I can I also throw something else out there just to throw some fuel on the fire that I forgot to yeah, make Yeah, of course. Of course. And this could be related. It could be totally unrelated. But IGN also took some heat because I think it was yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, they put out a tweet with a piece of artwork on it that was basically saying, hey, Suicide Squad is already like 37% off in the UK as you can buy it for £42. <laughs> and people were like, oh my God, what is this? And people dug into it and found that IGN source for that eBay. discount and that price was a single eBay seller, and IGN had created this, you know, bespoke like a a, a a social media post with bespoke artwork for the social media post to advertise how heavily discounted the Suicide Squad game was before it even released. So some people were speculating, like, are IGN engaging in a little bit of a kind of a a, a cat fight with with Warner Brothers very publicly here <laughs> over whatever's gone down with this game? I don't know. But that was even more interesting because that then got community noted on X. 
So that so right. that did, and then because someone saying about the fact that it was um, one person who'd found it, but then the community mm. notes said that it was actually was even even worse because it was actually like a twenty percent off all of eBay thing, and so it wasn't even one person giving off giving money off a Suicide Squad. It was eBay giving money off in general that the yeah. could apply to this e, this eBay seller. So yeah. so it wasn't even one person. This is yeah, <laughs> which is which is yeah, hilarious. Um. But look, yeah. as I was saying, the game comes out in 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 three four days time. But if you paid for the big expensive version, you could get your hands on the game early. And so even though we don't have review copies, the fact that the game has now been live for a couple of days and has had an absolutely faultless launch, it has been bugless mm -hmm. and no one has had any problems. I think goes. Yeah. No, this is. I'm lying. I'm lying because not only. <laughs> Do we not have the reviews to go by to sort of um, give us a better idea? Wait, uh, Jonesy, I've got, I've got it. Thank you, mate. I pre appreciate that. Um, yeah, you're welcome. The game has also experienced some some pretty pretty bad bugs in its first couple of days of being released to people that bought those um those big versions. Um, at this point, I'm going to give a shout out to someone who's watching in the live. For for people who are watching in the future, I'm just going to uh, read it out so they know what he said. Fusion Rebel in the chat said that he bought the game, installed it while they slept, woke up, and then five minutes into the tutorial, the servers were shut down for maintenance. Um, yeah. And this is exactly the bug that happened. Um, is this? I believe is the second one. So we've got two big bugs to sort of mention, talk about. Oh. Well, I think one was a big bug, the other, but the other I think is just a, was just a general server kind of situation right well they said it was maintenance right but i assumed it was like a bug that, they, that we just don't well, know what I, it was as i'm sure there was something going let me on say server like, maintenance. it was a, the, fir the first round of maintenance was the one that was attached to a specific bug that got a lot of um people a lot of tongues wagging online james yes yeah, so, th so this was the one whereby if you booted the game up you got into it for the first time uh you you started to play the game and actually you would discover that you had completely finished the game and that you had uh, you had the game was already in an end state, um, so it didn't take long for um, Warner Brothers to pull the game and be like, "Whoa, we need to sort this out because this ain't right." Which is that to me sounds like a like a preview version whereby they were kicking it out to people in a final state so people could experience everything there and fix it. And maybe they just hadn't tweaked something on the server side to say, "Do you know what I mean?" Uh, I do you know what I was that's a weird part. I wouldn't even want to second guess. It it is a very unusual bug, and like again, we talk we talk about it all the time. Like it is that that same old um, sort of you know adage of, of of a million monkeys with a million typewriters eventually writing Shakespeare or whatever it is. Like when you release a game, the kind of even in uh, in the kind of the sort of very expensive form of early access that this game is in, there's nothing that can prepare you for the volume of people that are about to play it and the weird and wonderful things they're going to do with the software uh, that you've created. Um, but even still, yes, very unusual. And I don't know what made it happen or why it was so widespread. That being said, I cannot imagine anything more horrible. Like you you and I have, you know, have creative roles in what we do for our, you know, in, in our professional lives. And we all know the feeling of finally taking a, a, a big project and dragging it over the finish line and that yeah, feeling of like, pre in our case, pressing export and thinking like, okay, job's done. Like, yes, there might be some tweaks and some changes and feedback, but I, I can, I really feel like I've achieved something here. Like against all odds, like this thing got done. To be in at least somewhat in that frame of mind, maybe not wholly, but somewhat in that frame of mind, and then to get invited to an urgent meeting on the morning that the game came out to say, hey, 
there's a massive, massive bug that is already going viral. We've taken the game offline, and you have, like, every hour that you spend figuring out what's causing this bug and fixing it is another hour that this game is offline on the day that people who spent $100 on it are meant to be playing it. I can't imagine what that feels like. Can't yeah. imagine it. No, absolutely. And as you say, that was opening day for the for those early adopters. So that that was people that were supposed to be people who were really looking forward to it. And and you know, you could at least enjoy them enjoying it for a brief while before it got opened up to the rest of the public. And um, maybe you know some of those reviews started coming out. Maybe some unfavorable. Maybe some more favorable. But unfortunately, they didn't only have that bug because in 24 hours they had, as we said, they had two bugs. Well, not two bugs, but the servers went down because for a second time with just eight minutes. Uh, of notice um, the servers were put down for or turned off for scheduled maintenance so players saw the the shed the servers go down again within a 24-hour period or which I, sorry that was the first one and then the second one no, that was the, no, that was the second that one. was the second one that was the second that one also that one was this morning where i believe in in the in uk time at 11 22 a.m they announced that the servers would be going down at 11 30 a.m uh, again whether or not eight minutes notice is enough uh, for you to be able to call it scheduled maintenance. I guess in a literal sense, you can get away with it, but it is does uh, strike me as a little bit cheeky to call it scheduled when people who were playing the game only got an eight-minute uh, head start on it. Uh, and I believe it was down for about an hour and a half. I think it came back up around somewhere between midday and one o'clock UK time. And in some respects, like oh, I, I think that if you're going to get early access to a game, they are going to get some information from you know a broader um, test base to actually say, hey, some of the servers aren't working properly. We need to do some stuff here. So effectively, you are going to end up being a bit of a test bed for a game, especially when it's a live service game. You know, it's always on. Um, so okay, but some of this is. I think some of this is fair. Some of this is allowable. Some of this will mean that when it comes to a launch day, um, you know, to everybody that we won't have these issues, which is a good thing. At the same time, if you if you put your hand in your pocket, if you're a big fan of DC or Warner Brothers or of um, Suicide Squad or whatever it is, it is it does suck to sort of be you know to come yeah. up to, against these issues, and then the fact that they've sorted them out so quickly is a positive. So I'm not going to say it's all negative. Well, I I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, no, I, I I think we all have that thing of when we, the game's installed, we're watching the time the countdown. It hits midnight of whatever time it is for you. And then you play, and yeah, you're to only get like eight minutes or something, and then be like scheduled maintenance or however long you get. That sucks. That really does. But that could be three to four days of servers down. So a couple of hours is rubbish. No, but you say that, but then there aren't uh, outside of sometimes entire networks. Like you know, we can all go back to the PSN example from many many years ago. But like, like games don't really go down for days at a time, and the problem that suicide squad still has and it's still battling with this even now you know when it's sort of semi-released and is days away from a full release is that when games like fifa or some elements of call of duty or destiny for example have scheduled maintenance people understand it because those are games that people have become accustomed to, to understanding that they are entirely reliant on server-side elements and the game essentially can't function without them. Although FIFA, I will say, is an example where there are a large plethora of game modes that you can still happily play. Call of Duty as well, still happily play without any access to the servers. The fact that like, the, the, the Suicide Squad is still in the midst of a battle where it's trying to convince people that it can justify these hooks being inserted in the game, into the game. Because it's at a time where like 
There's a solid single-player experience in there. There's a, a, you know, a, a narrative a campaign that is filled with cutscenes and lots of great writing, character moments and stuff like that. And so there is still going to be a contingent of this audience that is Rocksteady fans or Arkham fans that are coming for that kind of experience and that are hoping that they can turn a blind eye to microtransactions, they can turn a blind eye to battle passes and season passes and seasonal content, and turn a blind eye to all these things happening. What you can't turn a blind eye to is being halfway through a fucking cutscene. You could be halfway through the most climactic cutscene in the game, and you can get kicked out to a, men like, to a menu, That's and stuck true. there not being able to play the product that you bought for five hours, which was the case in the first round of maintenance, which Jonesy was very much unscheduled. So we've got two examples of maintenance here. Yes, one of them was scheduled by eight minutes. The other one was totally unscheduled. Like, I get there. There need to be make. Uh, there should be make goods for the people who buy the uh, one hundred dollars version of the game and have lost out on um, on essentially one of the perks that they were paying for. Again, when you price this, when you when you release editions of the game and you say if you pay more, you can play early, and you can't play early for whatever reason then you, you are actively taking away one of the benefits, one of the perks that people thought they were paying for. And I'm sure that make good will just be an in-game currency and it will be just shy of the amount that you need to buy the King Shark suit that you really wanted because that's the way they do these things. Um, but I think, it's, I think it's a bad look. And while I understand to a certain extent that there is an element of being an early adopter of a live service game comes with kind of like, a, like this unwritten agreement that you know you might be a bit of a a guinea pig at times and that there might be server instability and that servers you know server maintenance might pop up at the last minute and it you know how no how long how long who knows how long it's going to last but this is still even for those standards um at, at the most charitable unfortunate at the least charitable really poor um and it, and, it, and it's a horrible look for a game that needed the uh, you know the most as much positive PR as it could possibly get in the moment. It, it really could do a lot of uh, positive PR. I mean, it does, at least you say it, it does really need it. I wouldn't be surprised at all to find out that the um, early access to games is the way that it's phrased is in addition to the version you've bought, you also get a nice extra benefit of early access to the game. So actually, in the case whereby you don't get access to it, you can you could complain, but they'll probably turn around and say, ah, but you weren't paying for that. You were paying for the deluxe super digital blah 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 that comes with a skin and a this and a that i wouldn't be surprised at all if that's how they framed it specifically all those issues. i'm 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 looking at the playstation store right now and 72 hour early launch access is a bullet point right next to the three black master notorious we notorious weapons okay and the so it's not a passing and the battle pass token no it's a it's a separate bullet point on the deluxe edition and if they decided last minute that any of those other things that people thought they were paying for were taken out. They, they decided at the last minute to remove the Justice League outfits, then there would be, I, I'd like to believe people would be compensated for that. And this is one thing that they have promised and sold people and not made good on, in my opinion. Reality, you should, I suppose you should be able to get um, a refund. Like if you, if you sat down to do it, especially as you said, if you were at a pivotal moment in the game, and it cut cut out for five hours. Like, yeah, maybe yeah. You, you should be able to get a refund on that, and then you could buy it when it came out as a full version. You see, I tend to agree. I, I will say I'm looking at this a little bit deeper now, and I'm looking at the game's legal info. There is, in the small print, a thing that says, early access starting January 30th. Actual playtime depends on purchase date, i.e. if you purchase the, the uh, deluxe edition of the game one day into it, 
then you're not going to get 72 hours of early access because there isn't 72 hours of early access. Still need to spell that out for some people, though. Um, but then the key part, and is subject to possible outages um, and applicable time zone differences. Oh, okay. So they have technically, in a legal sense, covered themselves um, uh, for when it comes to possible outages, as they refer to them as, eating into the 72-hour early access launch, which means there probably isn't grounds for a full refund and certainly isn't grounds for any kind of um, legal action, which <laughs> I hopefully no one ever in their right minds consider taking. But I, I still wonder if just for PR's sake that they will kick people a little bit of whatever one of the 17 currencies in that game you need to, you know, get the Harley Quinn baseball bat of your dreams. Yes, hopefully. Um, okay, well, before we move on, let's quickly talk about some of the uh, feels we, feelings we've got from some people that have actually managed to play the game and what they've thought of it. Because even, even though we don't have official reviews, we do have sort of rough ideas as where people are, what they're thinking about the game. Um, and so we've sort of seen that some people have praised some aspects. So we're looking at sort of the writing, traversal mechanics. Um, people have been, you know, praising those, which I think we talked about when after we did our... Um, the, the the alpha that we got to play we said that some of the traversal and the writing was pretty strong and we were yeah. you know i know i was looking forward to how that expanded out across the rest of the game with the writing uh, and and you know between the four different characters um but then some areas that people have not been so hot on um are the uh, story beats that happen um and there is a i i have not looked into anything about this because i don't want to know because i do still think i might play it but apparently there is a late game cutscene. Um, which is getting some ridicule, but we're not going to give away anything. We're not going to tell any spoilers. Really. No, yeah, there's um, no point. No, not at all. Um, and the other thing is the fact, and, and you know, you could say, of course, it, of course, this was going to be the case. It, it's, it's, this is what games like this do. But the seven to nine hour long runtime, um, some people aren't too impressed with. Um, what, what, what are your feelings on what you've read and what you've seen so far? Um, kind of mixed because I, I, I think when we played, um, that, uh, alpha, that closed alpha, a handful of months ago, you know, there the, the, were many of the same things that people are highlighting now as, uh, you know, promising or maybe even good and positives in some regard and, and perhaps slightly negatives on the other hand were, um, were, were similar to kind of like where, where we landed, uh, on our time of the game. But the key thing about the experiences we had with the Suicide Squad back in the day was, um... Back in the day, like it was like <laughs> 10 years ago. It was last uh, year. Couple of it was a year ago. Yeah, yeah Jonesy, <laughs> you're absolutely right. It was last year. Back in the day, um, was that our experience by its nature was obviously cut short. Cut short even before the game's first proper boss fight, as you and I discussed many times um, in the podcast. And so um, I, I never really got to see how many of the systems that we were beginning to grapple with uh, developed um, and how much they kind of added potentially to the gameplay mix as as things began to uh, get fleshed out I, those are the kind of takes that i want to see more of but they're the things that don't really surface in the first couple of days after a game's release the other thing that i'm conscious of is that while there are obviously some members of the press including some people who work for the outlets that would have been reviewing the game right now who have bought the game and are discussing it i know destin Legary from ign has been tweeting a lot about the game there are also lots of tweets from people who have spent 100 dollars on this video game and I think with everything that has happened to the Suicide Squad, going back to when it was announced and all the trailers and and, and the delays and the and the, the the state of play streams and all this uh, to all the hubbub and all the controversies, if you got to this point and you're spending one hundred dollars of your own money on this game, I think you're invested in such a way where maybe and I, 
could be controversial, don't take this the wrong way if you are in this crowd, but maybe you are more inclined to look at that game in a more positive light than others might be. That's just the reality of the situation if you spend $100 on this product after everything that's happened. There are lots of people out there who don't want to buy this product at all as a result of what's happened. So if you're on the complete other side of the fence, then maybe you're not the kind of tweets that I want to, you know, the writer of the kind of tweets that I want to read to get the most sort of like grounded, sounds mean to say level-headed take on the game but you, you know what i mean um yeah for sure so that's the other thing that i'm wary of at this stage based on the feedback we've seen um and so as such i think it's just going to remain something that i keep an eye on to be honest I, I i in an ideal world i maybe would um get ready to start playing this game on friday um there's a chance that happens um but it's unlikely uh i uh, i'm also really curious to see how their seasonal content plan rolls out Again, because some of the leaks have been um, pretty dramatic in some cases, and I won't go into what has leaked or why or how, but we know that there are voice lines that are allegedly from Season 3 of this game that have leaked in some cases. So clearly a lot of groundwork has been put into the kind of direction they want the game to go in the next handful of months. Um, we They have been public about some of the directions they're taking uh, and things they're adding uh, in the next month or two, for example, they have already shown footage of the Joker as a, as the next, well, the first additional playable member of the Suicide Squad. And I think that's a potentially very interesting um, character to add. And, and the idea of a, a whole other fifth member there with all the traversal uh, options and, and skill trees and so on and so forth that that entails... I, I, I'm intrigued in the same way that I might have once said about Marvel's Avengers. I was but just I think, thinking. Was, well, yeah, it's because just it's, thinking it's the same thing. Uh, yeah, it's because same even kind of when thing. Marvel's Avengers was came out and was bad, you still played it and you go like, huh, Spider-Man. Like, yeah. what's their take on that going to be like? Black um, and there, I, might, I might hang around to see what he's doing. Very much so. And so, you know, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt in that sense. And so I'm not put off by a seven to nine hour run time for their core campaign, especially if you're making a beeline through it. Um... Yeah, uh, this I think this is going to be a game that, like, f for what I want to get out of it, will kind of benefit from um, my patience because the long. Let's put it this way, Jonesy, it's video game one on one at this point. The longer you wait, the cheaper it gets, the better it gets. Like it's <laughs> it's win win if you have patience. Not having patience is just the bane of most gamers' lives these days. That is true. I, I think I'm I'm I. How it was shaping up, there was no way I was going to be like a day one adopter. I'm definitely sure. waiting for those reviews. And and I think as you you made a good point. Reading reviews from people that are going to drop a hundred quid on this and play early and you know, have already um it's always like the sunk cost fallacy, right? Is once you've already put the money into it, you can't help but sort of say. But then you've also got the other side of that. You're the people that were never going to play this, had written it off day one, have no intention of even giving it a chance, who won't play it, who'll read the rumors and then just like repeat the same things again and again. I'm waiting to see some reviews by hopefully reasonably objective people that that play the main story and stick with it play some of that multiplayer and give us a, a good idea about what that game actually looks like and maybe like two three weeks down the line um you never know maybe i'll i'll be a uh hard and fast suicide squad kill the justice league fan at that point but maybe and, and even then like like you said reviews i'm interested in especially because like there is an assumption that the people who are going to be reviewing this game for certain outlets, at least, will put in the, uh, you know, a volume of time and, and a, an amount of hours that is sufficient to see everything this game has to offer and to explore all its systems and so on and so forth. 
But like, even that, I've already seen things on social media that have made me wary to kind of lean too heavily into other people's opinions. Because I remember I saw an exchange on Twitter earlier today where someone recommended the Suicide Squad uh, game to someone else and described it as the Division 2 with Sunset Overdrive's um, traversal or with a DC skin over the top. And as someone who has played a lot of Sunset Overdrive, I don't know why I'd put the emphasis on it, <laughs> Sunset Overdrive, um, and way, way, way too much the Division 2, that game isn't particularly like either, Suicide Squad isn't particularly like either of those games. And if and if if you see anyone out there trying to tell you that Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, it like feels similar functionally or as a shooter to the division to the to the division two, I'm telling you now, don't believe them. Please don't believe them. Um, they're they're they they're extremely different. Um, and so I've already seen stuff like that. That if I hadn't played that game in October and I'd read that tweet, I would have gone, oh my god. But I did play that game in October and I read that tweet and thought, you're wrong. But hold up, I I I played the game in October and I'm like. I can kind of see where they're coming from. I can't. The division, even fundamentally, the division two was a cover shooter. No, no, I, like, I, I was I, generously Suicide Squad is a traversal based shooter. I was thinking in the sense of because you shoot and then you've got the jumpy around mechanics, which are like Sunset Overdrive. I kind of see no, where they're coming from. The, the intricacies of how the third. I don't think that that the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has any shared DNA with the division two, in my opinion. Beyond yeah, the fact that if you were creating a video game wiki, you'd probably call the, you'd probably describe them both as having third-person shooter elements, but that's because yeah. the characters hold guns and you're looking at them from a third-person perspective. They, yes. they don't, in terms of feel or mechanically, like they 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 don't feel beyond. like one another. No, no, there's no, there's no similar feel in, in them at all. No, Sunset Overdrive, I can see Sunset Overdrive, I can see, um, but yeah. That's just an example of how I'm already taking some of the tweets and, and social media reactions that I'm seeing with a pinch of salt. And I am glad that I did get to spend five or so hours five or so hours playing a version of this game at least, so that I kind of have my suicide suicide squad squad legs kind of like about me uh, as we go into what is probably gonna be a really scruffy week when it comes to Suicide Squad discourse. And I wouldn't be surprised if this soon became our new Marvel's Avengers in so much as it was the game that people kept <laughs> asking us to stop talking about. I don't think it will be. I, I I kind of feel like we'll talk about it today. We'll have to talk about it maybe next week because it will be out, But so maybe briefly. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we then don't touch on it again for a while until maybe one of us actually gets into it, gets our teeth into it and plays a different, decent amount of it you know, with other people and, and sees what it's all about. I don't, it just doesn't feel as... It's, which is weird. It doesn't feel as necessary as Marvel's Avengers to talk about like that because that game was surprisingly mediocre. I think, yeah, mediocre at times, less than mediocre at others. <laughs> that, yeah, very fair. I tell you, some people who aren't mediocre, always bangers. Rocksteady. No, it's the uh, ah, shit. It's the patrons who've joined us over at Patreon.com forward slash Super Show. Um, I would like to give a shout out to them because they're absolutely amazing people that are supporting us and kept us coming back for four damn years. That's absolutely insane. Uh, that I was like, I was about to correct you with that, but you're, but you're right. That's frightening. It is that. That's yeah. That's mad. It's, it's four years, almost to the. I would say I was going to say almost to the day, but I, was, I can't think when we actually started uh, officially on this. Was it? It must have been 
Yeah. Fe- was it Feb? I can't remember. It was no, early. No, no, we, we, we were definitely still, there was stuff happening in January. Um, because uh, you got the first couple of episodes of the Super Show were recorded uh, in the old studio, and we left that yeah. studio behind end of January 2020. So we at least, you know, we, I, I reckon we probably started around the start of that year. It must have been. I, I like Rodrigo in Chaz just said four years already. What the fuck? <laughs> like it does. Yeah. Do you know what? It doesn't feel like four years to us. Um, it feels like it feels like six months to me. This is absolutely. This is absolutely crazy. But Flash in the pan. Yeah, we are uh, knocking on the door of our two hundredth episode, which we're going to hopefully do something a little bit special for. Um, so yeah. we'll see. But no, anyway, let's get back to the patrons because I would like to give a shout out to some of them because they are amazing. Um, you will see that there are some names on screen right now of some of these awesome individuals. Uh, and I'm going to give a shout out to Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Brimstone, Ice Dog Rock Salt, Jesper Camden Nielsen, Pastors Guild, and the Big Dogs, the members of the board. It is Brett Z, aka Shellshock, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Book Reed, Manuel Guerrero, and Heeswad. Uh, a massive thank you um, to everybody for supporting us, for uh, coming back um, week after week. Oh, uh, geez, I'm also going to have to say a big thank you to. Um, Fusion Rebel in chat who's just given us 50 New Zealand dollar bucks uh, and said hey. I'll make up for, for not being a patron with this super chat. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Um, very kind of you. Thank you. Yeah, no, that is uh, that is amazing. Well, you, you are an honorary member of the board for, uh, for, for that super chat right there. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, and um, yeah, I was just going to echo what, what you said, Jonesy, in terms of uh, episode 200. While I, I know we try and keep kind of like what but we try and stick to what more video game publishers should maybe stick to which is uh under promise and over deliver and i know that we have uh, occasionally reversed that at times but um we are actually working on some some hopefully fun stuff behind the scenes that will lead to um if we manage to get it all sorted and all our ducks are in a row lead to some pretty cool content so definitely i recommend uh everyone um around the time that episode 200 should theoretically be, re- be released which I don't actually know that date off the top of my head, but let's just say kind of like mid to late Feb, do uh, do keep an eye on the YouTube channel because I'm hoping we're going to have some some cool stuff uh, for, your, or for you all, for y'all. At the risk of messing up my tabs, I'm, I'll quick, shall I quickly check? Because I think we should, I don't know if we're going to be quite get there, but we should, I think 100,000 downloads and 200th episode are going to coincide. But is it 100,000? Must be 100. Is it 10,000? I can't remember. What did I say to you before? It must be a hundred thousand. Maybe ten thousand. Oh, for the, it's like for the audio. Yeah, yeah, the podcast uh, side. Yeah, the audio only. That seems like too many. Maybe I've maybe I'm misremembering. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but um, no, they're, they're going to. I don't look at those. I don't look at those numbers. So we'll be ce- hopefully we'll be celebrating a. Uh, it'll be a double celebration. You know, a big for sure, for big sure. download number and a um, uh, a big episode number. So no, thank you everybody. Um, right now though, Jamie. I want to know what, yeah. you've been, what you've been playing or doing or watching since uh, the last time they had a chat. Um, most of my time, Jonesy, has been spent digging into one of this year's hot new releases, uh, a game that some have even seen fit to back for a potential uh, 2024 Game of the Year run, um, and that is Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, the latest in the uh, the Like a Dragon series, of course, formerly known as Yakuza. I'm not going to go on my whole uh, stupid, drawn-out bit about, you know, how it should... <laughs> exactly, the naming conventions and what the studio is called and what the translation of that studio is. It's just that, like a dragon, infinite wealth. I've accepted it. 
I've made my bed, and I'm already I'm already fast asleep in it. I'm having a really good time with it, Jonesy, and uh, nice. like it, it's 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 super strange to me because um, if you would have asked me kind of like point blank whether or not I prefer a game with sort of real time combat mechanics or whether I prefer a game with turn based combat mechanics, uh, it would be absolutely no question. Um, I wouldn't even hesitate to tell you like that the you know the real time combat is far more my bag, and yet every time I try to get into one of those kinds of yakuza games um namely y yakuza zero was the first time i really made a con concerted effort to try and understand what this series was all about uh it didn't work and yet for some reason and i don't know if it's just because i prefer uh ichiban kasuga who is the um who is the protagonist i guess of this what I, it's sort of a spin-off series but it's also part of the main main line so i don't i really know anymore it's kind of i'm uh, I'm not going to get caught in the weeds in that. Um, but for some reason, the turn-based games have been my favorite. I really liked Yakuza Like a Dragon. Um, uh, I played that late. I actually played that last year when that came out in, I think, 2020. Um, so I was really, really late to the party on it. But um, but it was the first time I'd ever really gotten into one of those games. And I, uh, fortunately, I can say I, 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 as well as the game, have kind of really picked up where things left off in Like a Dragon with Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. Yeah, if... Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, yeah, it, it, in so much as that it's delivering on everything that I was kind of really taken by uh, with its predecessor, which is I still think that Ichiban is kind of a really delightful protagonist. He's a joy to to spend time around. Uh, the, you know, the, there's an irreverence to this game that kind of seeps through everything that is happening, whether it's the writing to the moment-to-moment -moment plot beats, not necessarily with, with regards to the overarching story, which can usually can kind of get a little bit muddy and to use the expression again caught in the weeds when it comes to its handling of the intricacies of different uh clans and families within the yakuza and how they battle and how those battles and situations are played out in usually very prolonged ways but everything that happens kind of in between that a lot of the character moments whether that's between like the primary cast and roster of playable characters um or, or whether it's you know one-off occurrences side side quests and all, all, all the like everything's kind of kind of got this um this like like I said, this irreverence to it that 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 just keeps everything feeling like light and fun and playful, um, and uh, and that makes it really kind of a blast to play. I think the fundamentals of the turn-based combat have have been kept um, the same in areas that they're already strong, but also improved in in, in a handful of ways that are actually more be meaningful than I thought they might be. Um, I think one of the key changes, which is actually weirdly enough, now that I think about it, really similar to what they did between the two South Park RPGs, if you remember them. Um, I'm looking the, forward to the next one. I love a bit of South Park RPG. Oh, well, the next South Park game is like a it's like a weird 3D polygonal snowball fight game. Remember? Oh, it's that, God. Is it's it? like South Park Snow Day or something. Oh, yes. It looks really weird. Yeah, it looks really weird. Oh, uh, um, yeah. I think, might, I think that might be an Embracer group joint mm. if you go up the chain high enough. Um, yeah. Uh, well, uh, honestly, like if you miss the South Park RPGs, maybe just play this. Um but it mimics that same change between those two in that it's still, excuse me, fundamentally a turn-based uh, uh, combat. Um, but you're allowed uh, to f move freely within a certain space prior right. to um, attacking or, or, or taking your turn. And not kind of in an XCOM sense where you tell your character to, it is through it's real-time one-to-one movement within an area and then you do an attack. And that allows you to do things like lining up certain attacks so that you can knock back an enemy into another enemy, or maybe right. knock back an enemy into an ally, and then they can kind of combo off that. 
Um, it allows you to position yourself around objects in the environment. So if you intentionally want to stand next to a chair and use it as like a weapon attack, then you can do that far more easily. Um, yeah, I, I've only played about eight hours of it, but um, it, it's really strong. And what's fascinating to me is just not rubbing me up the wrong way in many of the ways that I thought it might based on what it does. Like, those games can be long and they can be slow and there can be a lot of dialogue and sometimes like the pacing between there are almost like three stages of cutscenes these like these very high-end polished cinematic cutscenes and then there's one step down where um yeah everything's still fully voiced but it's a little bit more sort of like two camera back and forth right um, and then there's one step down from that where it's not voiced and you're just reading text and they kind of fade to black between these three different kind of like tiers of of cutscene and sometimes the, these story beats take an incredibly long time to play out when actually they're they're not all that interesting and yet at the same time i'm not getting bored and in the, the, like there's also part of me that comes to admire their willingness to be so boring <laughs> like to just it, to know what okay you to like know what they're doing know what they want to do and just going like, no no just exactly enjoy that it's exactly that. There was a sentiment I remember around the time Death Stranding released, and I I don't buy into this necessarily much myself, but I think some people on the internet did kind of share this line of thinking that Hideo Kojima had kind of worked himself into a position, not just within you know Kojima Productions and their relationship with Sony, but within the wider game industry, that he could basically do what he wants. That he was so like confident in his vision that it wouldn't make sense for anyone to tell him otherwise, for anyone to stand his way or try and put him off doing what he wanted to do and of course the net result was death stranding which was um a polarizing game uh, at least at launch and uh left a lot of people saying hey maybe kojima does need people around him who know when to step in and, and kind of say no um and obviously that's kind of a slightly left field example because that's more to do with kind of like authorship and one man's vision but there is something of the same swagger that is present in where the the like a dragon games um have arrived in that they seem to do everything wrong if you were to go by the book and yet they do it with such supreme confidence and awareness of what they're making that it works the fact that they release what like two to three games within a 12-month period the fact that so many story elements and story arcs continue from game to game to the point where like if you jump in if you jumped into infinite wealth from uh, like a dragon like i did and you didn't play the man who raised his name like there are key elements of uh, Kazuma Kiryu's storyline that you don't really know about. Right. And there are characters from that game from, from Like a Dragon four years ago that are just kind of like brought over. In fact, put it this way, Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth is a game that has been um, like advertised and marketed as being set in Hawaii, right? Yeah. It takes like three to four hours before you get to Hawaii. You spend the first three to four hours picking up not quite exactly where Like a Dragon left off. The, the, the same amount of time has passed as passed in real life. But in terms of situations, like the same group of characters who are in very similar situations, who are exploring the exact same city, um, and like, like he gets caught up in 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 uh, like like there's a whole chat like chunk of the early part of the game devoted to Kasuga's uh, love life and this disastrous date he goes on. It's like so much of this just feels like things that you would tell people not to do. Don't release three massive RPGs in a year. And don't, you know, like, 
like don't switch willy-nilly between real-time combat and turn-based combat and don't have story arcs and character arcs that cross over between the games so that people are really intimidated about jumping in and don't advertise it as being set in a, a whole new adventure in hawaii and set the first four hours of the game in the same location as the previous game don't do any of these things please and yet they do them and there's this there's this almost this feeling that emanates off it of yeah but like we know exactly what we're making and this uh, by this point we've been doing it long enough the people who like these games who buy these games know exactly what they're getting so they're happy we're happy yeah. and it's this this like perfectly you know harmonious symbiotic relationship where they're just going to keep doing that they are unashamedly and unabashedly making the same kind of game um and more people than ever before in the series history are there for it and i can totally see why um there's a real charm to it um and and i'm 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 having a great time in spite of the number of things it's doing that should be rubbing me up the wrong way um i, I think there's something fascinating about that but it's really cool as well well it's nice to go from a game which potentially is going to rub a lot of people the wrong way to go into a game which is rubbing you the right way <laughs> i see yeah let's let's put it like that but no yeah it, it also means that it does feel like there's less pressure when friday rolls around to um to buy suicide squad because i'm like well i've got 50 hours of like a uh, dragon left to play so yeah i'm set you're not rushing off to anything um right. i will briefly mention uh unless you've got anything else to mention mm -mm. i will um briefly mention that i'm still playing prince of persia the lost crown um because it's very good and i haven't finished it yet and i'm still what more reasons do you need i'm still going away those are two fantastic reasons to play a video game although it's i my the it's the feel of the game has changed for me a bit since when I first reported back that I was playing it. I would just say, like, so I said before that it goes pretty easy and it's not particularly difficult. Um, I think oh. I had, I think I'd like got through a fair uh, couple of boss fights and they weren't particularly difficult and and it all was well. Uh, times have changed a little. <laughs> um, I've had some pretty rough boss fights, which took me a decent number of attempts to uh, to get through. Um, and some, oh my goodness, whoever designed the platforming um, <laughs> in some of those levels, oh, I, like, gee, like, it, trying to slide down a wall, double jump back onto another wall whilst almost getting hit by a spiky barrel thing, which is traversing backwards and forwards, leaving a ghost version of yourself to, to then drop down, activate something, go back to the ghost version. And all this time, if you die, you get sent back, like, um, two minutes before to the last actual physical platform you were standing on is trying at times mm -hmm. but at the same time i'm so there for it like i'm i'm really enjoying the difficulty of the platforming so the it's the right kind of trying for the moment yes yeah because it's like it's, it's that where you you die a fair number of times but then when you succeed you're so happy you're really happy about the fact that you've successfully made it through it a particularly okay. tricky plot and as well i will say most of the platforming that you have to do um is not as bad as some of the platforming you choose to do if that makes sense like you know if you want to go off that sounds like something out of the matrix as in if you want to go off the beaten track and you want to go no, and, and like is it, it's it, then that it, they they say hey yeah you want to you want to test your skills against some really hard platforming we've got that for you uh, whereas the main sort of game stuff is it doesn't seem to be as bad it does get it does get dicey at times but it, yeah it doesn't seem to be mm. i almost like um super meat boy-esque where you'd like these just, huh. like immediately dying and restarting dying and restarting 
yes 100 percent, a lot of that but also a lot of um uh rage quitting because i'm just like no, no, no. <laughs> and then just stopping turning it off and coming back to it like a few hours later um there was i had that with a couple of boss fights there's a one where you fight this forest queen and i just could not i just could not get a handle on this chick she just kept doing me in and it was stressing me out did you consider knocking down the difficulty or approaching any of the accessibility options no, I'm playing it on like normal mode or whatever. I'm not playing it particularly difficult, so I thought um, I'll just stick with it. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. But no, doing yeah. But no, yeah, cool game, enjoying it. So there we go. Um, so what am I looking for here? Okay, I couldn't remember which our next news story was. Our next news story, uh, unfortunately, it come uh, is going to not come as a surprise to a lot of people. Um, we alluded to it a little bit last year and earlier in the year. We sort of said that we thought there were going to be more layoffs um, in 2024. And unfortunately, they have they have started to come to pass. Um, I'll tell you what, I will rattle off a few of the key points here and then we will um, have a chat about them. Um, yes. So last week, Microsoft cut 1900 staff across Xbox, Bethesda and Activision Blizzard. Um, we've also uh, news that Blizzard president Mike Ibarra and chief designer Alan Adam have left the company and a previously un a previously announced survival game that they were working on codenamed Odyssey has been cancelled. Um, that was in development for six years, which is a hell of a thing, um, you know, to find out that's been cancelled, especially when it's coming from, uh, you know, people with such pedigree, you know, it's the sort of thing that you can really... It's, it's weird. Games like that that we don't even know too much about, we can really get excited about as they're coming down the line. And then to just hear that they've been chopped in, it, it, it's kind of brutal, which is it was horrible. Yeah. It's like someone telling you they were going to get you a really good Christmas present and then just telling you, ah, I lost it. And you're like, what? And you were super excited. It's like the aunt who always gets you an amazing Christmas present and then it's just gone. You never even knew what it was. But yeah, this sucks. All the best. All the same. Um, Riot Games have got rid of 530 roles globally um, and one of their third-party publishing labels is to close um, and the card game Legends of Runeterra has also been downsized. Um, we were, Jamie and I were talking just for the, the pod as well about the fact that Embracer Group, the company who are supposed to, um, you know, embrace everybody and we're going to do wonderful things with all the amazing money they had, uh, have reportedly cancelled an unannounced Deus Ex game uh, that Idos Montreal were making, and they've got plans to lay off about 100 employees as well. Um, that I think the one one of the reasons we were sort of mentioning Embracer, we were talking about Embracer Group, is because one thing that often happens when these big uh, umbrella companies purchase um, uh, developers is that we think, oh, okay, money to make more entries in in IPs, and it's going to be great. But then often when they have to try and save a buck, we find some of our favorite studios, favorite IPs, actually getting hit. So that that is particularly sucky, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, although, like, it's interesting to me, and I, I, don't, I don't know kind of where you stand on this sort of situation, but uh, I, I, find, I, I absorb at least a lot of the reaction to this kind of stuff uh, through through social media, and uh, you know, initially I might read reports and news stories from various articles, but in the aftermath, certainly it's social media, and that gets particularly difficult because inevitably, with the way the algorithm works, and people wanting to show support for other ones, you often get you know, personal sort of like tweets and things like that from people who worked at these uh, studios or companies and were affected. And that's always a really tough pill to, to swallow. It's interesting to me, though, that like when you get down to the uh, the Deus Ex situation, because there's, there's a few different things going on. 
having seen you know hearing about 100 people at Idos Montreal losing their jobs horrible yeah again you know that's never good like that's always going to be a a hard piece of news to swallow um seeing anyone in the games industry hit in such a way um but when you get into the kind of the weeds about uh, like a DSX an unannounced DSX game being cancelled um that that's where I kind of get into this weird territory of I think we sometimes need to be cautious that we're not doing too many uh, too many too much mental gymnastics to try and imagine what that game might have been when it right. might have come out how good it might have been and the extent to which what it was the Deus Ex game of our dreams being the reason that we're upset like I think people losing their jobs and the industry continuing to to bleed collectively like that's the sad news here the Deus Ex, a Deus Ex game being cancelled is a disappointment uh, uh, but but little more than that and um because it, like, again it's just so hard to say like what did that game look like what kind of Deus Ex game were they making like how to what extent did it align with um embraces wider goals you then get into weird kind of like situations where you know to what extent did cancelling that Deus Ex game and maybe allowing the remaining idos montreal employees to move on to another project sooner or or restructure or reorganize what they're working on save more jobs you know what if we were a year away from a Deus Ex game being cancelled and 150 people losing their jobs or I just Montreal being closed down entirely so I think when basically what I'm trying to say is when we start getting into spec like disappointment but disappointment because we're speculating about how good a game might have been I think that's sometimes uh slightly shaky uh the you know the again the, I, I think the real losses here are the losses in jobs and positions um at studios around the world and the fact that this is a trend that has continued into into 2024 and somehow doubled down in 2024. Although I do still understand that there is a lot of, um, you know, uh, the people have a deep, deep, deep attachments to these franchises and to these IPs. And sometimes it feels like just wanting to see a studio do right by them is like the bare minimum to ask. And so I do also understand that people watch you know the like legacy of Kane and Red Faction and Saints Row and studios like Volition that have now been entirely shut down, getting gobbled up by Embracer and saying, "Hey, even ignoring the human cost of all of this, fuck Embracer for basically taking our favorite fam like our favorite franchises, um, no longer being invested in developing good games for them, and in some cases shutting down the studios responsible for them." Um, I I, I do completely get it, but at the same time, like. The I'm saying specifically the Deus Ex news was a wrinkle in a much bigger story for me, which was still fundamentally about um, consolidation um, and uh, the fact that the games industry as a whole is seems to be either not growing anymore or not growing fast enough. Um, and 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 how scary it, how how damning it is that you know that the, the, there were surveys done at the beginning of the year that revealed like something. I think it was over 50% of, of of people who worked in the industry who were surveyed worrying for their jobs in the year of 2024. Mm -hmm. The fact that we've reached that point while generating the amount of revenue that studios are generating, while in some cases generating still the amount of profits that some studios are generating, while certain individuals are still being paid the amount they're being paid. Some individuals even being paid to leave companies, you know, in you know, all these examples that I'm sure we can all think of without having to... Um, to stretch our minds back too far like the fact that that shit, shit is still going on um and you know and you know, the fact that microsoft are like are now a three trillion dollar company or whatever the fuck they are and 1900 people lost their jobs 
um, and the way in which many of those people found out or got told they were going to lose their jobs. Oh, was it? I, it's just well, yeah. I was just yeah. saying in case people don't. So some of some of those people effectively found out they'd lost their jobs by messaging Jason Schreier at one point because he, I think, had been reporting about it, and they were messaging him direct to be like, "Hey, am I? Do I still have a job? Like, what's going on?" Which is, I. I, I maybe part of it is working and living in the UK where we have quite good uh, labour protection laws, but the, some of the stuff I don't think that would be even be possible in the same way in the UK to, to for it to be that bad. You could still find out pretty pretty like close to losing your job that you're going to go. I'm not saying it's like it's a sure. it's a good situation, but some of those things that you hear where people some people walk into work like. Um, I don't know if this happened at Xbox, but some people walk into work and like their passes don't work because they can't get through the door and they're going in on a Monday and it's effectively like someone comes out and takes their pass off them and says, no, no, you've been let go, which is, it's that level. To me, it's, it's you're absolutely right. It's the, the end of the day, this, the impact on the individuals who are working at the companies is easily the worst thing. Um, a long, long way ahead of like IP or, you know, a game that you wanted to come out, not coming out. Easily those people losing their jobs is the worst thing. I think, games getting cancelled like the one that was cancelled um after having six years in development that is is high up there for me just because that's six years of some people's lives where they've done they've yeah. done work and they've invested art and they've you know they've they've written stories and whatever and they most may... of it's still nda'd right they just have a, a six-year gap on their resumes you know absolutely and then they can you know they'll be telling their families for and they may have like put blood sweat and tears into this they may have crunched mm -hmm. for this stuff and then to just to be to turn around one day and be not only be fired, but then be told oh, also that game that you were making that's been killed, and just to be like, I, I can't imagine what those two things put together, how that feels, you know, that must be absolutely awful. Um, but yeah, I, I it's no, it's 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 horrendous. It's like a, a dire state yeah. of affairs. But I, I do think the the fact the way that some people find out just makes it ten times worse. Like um, give give them a give them like a month or what, give them just like some time i don't see i don't believe that some of these big as you said big companies massive profits genuinely can only tell you the day before you're supposed to come in that you don't have a job anymore or like in the case of you know um uh the people that are contacting jason schreier to ask if they had a job anymore i mean that's that is ridiculous like it is that's, yeah. that's, that's just almost that's just being mean for the sake of it in, in some respects i don't really understand the idea behind that um yeah but and it, it like uh, it, it fuels like the vicious cycle that the industry in some cases almost feels doomed to repeat because I can remember when um, the survival game Codename Odyssey was revealed and it was this kind of slightly odd thing where Blizzard, who were you know a, a massive company and were, obviously they weren't part of the Xbox family at that point, um, but you know Blizzard IPs are, are significant, you know, and like to the point where like. Overwatch and Warcraft and Starcraft and all these things—they kind of they stand out as a studio that are very good at crafting these big, like household name IPs that stick around for a long time. And so when they came out and said, "Hey, we're making a survival game, and this is the code name, and here's some concept art," it was used at the time a lot as an example of something a number of different studios were doing, which was saying, "Hey, we're working on this thing." You know, and in the, the the kind of the the implied subtext of that was, would you like to come and work on it? Could work with us on it. Um, like I, IO Interactive did it with their James Bond project, and Crytek did it with Crisis Four, and Ubisoft did it with the Splinter Cell remake. Like sometimes just tweets saying we're working on this project, 
and like those we haven't seen any of those projects years since because those were literally seen by some people in the industry as not not quite cries for help but the hey the best way to advertise um the, you know, your studio is by advertising the things that you're working on and trying to attract people who are interested in contributing to those projects. Um, and the fact that one of those has now been cancelled after six years with all the horrible baggage that entails, as you laid out just then, I think it's only going to lead to more and more people basically saying, fuck it, like, this isn't for me. And how many of those 1,900 people at Microsoft or 500 people at Riot Games or thousands of others, literally thousands of others, uh, other studios in just the month of January 2024 yep. are sitting there and saying, I I'm, I'm, I don't want another job in this industry, or at least I don't want another job in AAA um, at a major, or at a major publisher, or whatever the case may be. They're saying, you know, I love this art form and I, I love contributing to it, but I can't deal with this boom-bust cycle. I can't deal with the threat of redundancy or layoffs. I can't deal with the threat of project cancellation. I just want to, con you know, I'm good enough to go and be a CEO, I IT tech, and like, and like and just go and work for some other company in a far more stable industry and and apply all my skills to that. And yes, it won't be as creatively fulfilling as making a video game, but why even bother making a video game if there's a fucking two in 10 chance that sees the light of day anyway? Um, yeah. And like, how, 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 how much talent do you lose like to what extent is there a bleed of talent from the industry every time stuff like this happens and to uh, like how long to you're back at the same point where did you arrived at at something like with codename odyssey to begin with where all of a sudden studios are looking at themselves and saying hey shit we don't have enough high level senior you know experienced talent we need to try and get as many people as we can it's like well you're back trying to fix the same problem that you created um I, and, and and i i just don't know a part of me hopes that this is just part of the industry's continuing balancing act and that it's just going to be a fucking miserable 2024 let's say and then things level out the companies that overhired during the boom as the covid caused uh level out you know the um, all the consolidation whether it's in the case of xbox or embracer levels out as you know redundancies and so because that that stuff will happen like Bethesda, Activision, Blizzard, uh, sorry, Activision, Blizzard, King were a, a massive company and they were a game publisher in their own right. Mm -hmm. And so when Xbox buy them, all of a sudden you have hundreds of people devoted to publishing games. You have hundreds of people devoted to marketing. You have hundreds and PR and comms and all the and community management. And someone has to look at that and say, we just bought a company that at least some of the portion of its employees do the exact same thing things as we already had people here doing and uh, we've got to make cuts because it it's not it, fuck efficiencies it just doesn't make sense um yeah and i understand that that's like the brutal side of business and it's the it, you know uh, continuing um sort of like downside to all the consolidation that you know fans get excited over battling over exclusives this is the downside um to all of that shit um and i just hope it levels out i guess that's what i'm saying no, yeah, no, well said. Absolutely right. And um, just to finish off this downer, then uh, I'll quickly give you a rundown. As Jamie said, there in the month of um, January alone this year, we've seen Raycon Games, Black Forest Games, People Can Fly, Cloud Imperium Games um, have all made cuts this month. And we're looking at over 5,000 people working in the games industry have already lost their jobs in 2024, which is horrendous at uh, this early, early point in the year. Um, yeah, hopefully it slows down. Hopefully, as you say, it levels out, but don't know how long that'll take. One year, two years, but 
yeah, we'll see. Um, which is which is horribly is the other side of like, oh, you know, having a bit of fun at the expense of Suicide Squad at the beginning of the podcast, and the other side of like a company dropping a mediocre game. Unfortunately, is this somewhere down the line? You don't know how many years it will be, but the bad, you know, not selling yeah. as well as it should have done. It will be. They won't. The people at the top won't lose their profits or their bonuses or their uh, their golden handshakes. So it'll be the people further down the uh, further down the the line, the pecking order that are gonna. gonna kind of makes that. me feel like a bit of a piece of shit. Like to sit here in the same podcast and say I don't like Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League that much, and look at all the things that it's done wrong in its launch week, and also. Oh, why why won't these companies stop laying off their employees? No, because that, that no, that's bullshit. Because the 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 individual workers who've worked for Rocksteady and Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, I will have done a phenomenal job. Like so many, they'll have worked their asses off, and they've been the most done... talented people in the industry. Exactly, and there will be like people that all thousands of of people working across that industry who are doing amazing work, but the final product because some knobhead big cheese at the top was like. I want to inject more of this into it. I want to do this, and it will just screw with the sum element of the game that will probably, you know, lead to its lead to its downfall. So it's not as, it's so, not that common that that games are badly made. Like that's very rare that games are just out and out badly made. We've talked about a few on the podcast recently, right? Um, yeah, that's a different kettle of fish altogether, right? Yes, like again to even name those games now feels a little bit sketchy after the conversation we've just had especially <laughs> fair, because that's fair some of, some of those games, games did, anymore. Some, no yeah exactly some of those games did result in those companies getting out of that business um and that sucks but like yes i know what you mean like there are levels to this game and suicide squad is not at the level that we have seen in some other cases uh recently no but um i agree with you that broadly speaking we can just say fuck what did you call them the knobhead big cheeses or whatever um yeah Something like that. Yeah, fuck them, basically. Um, let's talk about some uh, some some now confirmed rumors that some knobhead big cheeses have decided to do, and I'm glad they did because uh, we're going to move on to our final story of the pod. It is the PlayStation State of Play, which is happening tomorrow at time of recording. That is Wednesday, the thirty first, um, and we're going to see hopefully one of the biggest states of play uh, we've ever seen. We're talking forty minutes of uh sony goodness that they're going to be bringing us um so we should be having a look at stellar blade uh rise of the roman ronin which have um, been confirmed to be there but there'll be 15 games on show um and we've had a, a reliable leak from uh bill bilkun who said that the other games we may see uh well sorry we may also see some death stranding 2 on the beach which has been named they, he claim they he they claim that that is the official name is Death Stranding Two, on the beach. Uh, yeah, not sure how I feel about the name. I can tell you how I feel about the name. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. That's right. I'm sure Kojima's got some weird thing up his sleeve where OTB is an important acronym <laughs> in that universe. No. or something weird like that. But like, you're so I don't like right. It. You're so right because bridges. And all the how that all linked and the th- it's, yeah. it's a strand game and then you have the the beach things and on the beach like of course it links back but yeah is there a possibility that in Japanese it sounds really cool because I wonder about that sometimes well, sometimes and I'm not going to do it for on the beach because I I don't want to be accused of being racist but sometimes like the Japanese versions of certain things like that 
are just like I know, I know we've had this discussion on before on the podcast, but they're just cooler versions, cooler sounding versions of the English. And the one I always remember, which is appropriate for this, is Metal Gear Solid is uh, Metaro Gear Solido. Um, oh, it's just <laughs> like it's it, it sounds like I'm being insensitive, but that's that that's it. And so there maybe is some version of uh, Death Stranding Two on the beach that like you could do similarly, and it sounds awesome. But then put it this way, Jonesy, there's a reason I'm playing Infinite Wealth in Japanese with English subtitles right. because sometimes the shit they say just sounds cooler than the shit we say. That that's what I'm. Yeah, often with certain languages, the way you sort of say things, as you said, like the intonation, the, the where the emphasis is, can make something sound much cooler. And then when I say, and I'm I've got pass for not saying things in the best way either. But it's just you know when you say Death Stranding two on the beach, and everyone's like on the beach. All right, what well, we haven't uh, what are we doing? We playing some um, you know playing some volleyball. Uh, no, basically this is a this is actually a, a mistranslation when Hideo Kojima was doing an interview talking about how he wants Death Stranding 2 uh, to be compatible with the Steam Deck from day one. Of course, someone asked him why, and because he said, I want to be able to play Death Stranding 2 on the beach. On the beach, very good. Maybe, maybe that is exactly what happened. Um, apparently, at the uh, State of Play, we are also potentially going to see uh, an Until Dawn remaster, and we're going to get a closer look at Concord, which is Sony's new IP, their new space IP, Um we're also we've got a couple of more leaks coming from Xbox Ezra, sorry Xbox Era's Nick Baker, who suggested that Silent Hill Two, Judas, Final Fantasy Seven Rebirth, and a new Metro title uh, will all be in the mix as well. So some absolute bangers, if you believe all the rumors. Um, yeah. Is there anything it's that like jumps stuff. that jumps out of you as something you're really hoping that will be there that you are going to get to see? Um, for me, for me, it begins and ends with uh, Death Stranding Two. To be honest, um, I'm kind of like. But do you not just assume that's going to look a lot like Death Stranding One? I do assume that. Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely assume that, and I couldn't care less. Um, I, I, I'm still really excited. Like, I, I went back and rewatched the initial trailer, the reveal trailer for DS Two, as as the, they kept being branded at the time. Yes, um, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. and. And I was like, even if the fundamentals of, of like what you're doing in this game are really, let's say, almost identical to to Death Stranding, there's still enough going on. In like, you go back and rewatch that trailer, and you're like, why is Norman Reedus old? And why is there like a squid octopus oh, thing right. in the BB canister? And like, uh, and they were like, who are this weird cult? And who's in that coffin? And who's that person wearing the mask, like playing the weird electric guitar with the suit that lets you see their guts? And it's like. <laughs> Even visually and conceptually, there was enough going on in that trailer where I'm like, even if this all ends up being sort of interesting, but also sometimes poorly written set dressing for walking around again, um, but I'm walking around in a fundamentally different place, um, then that would be cool. Uh, I, I just think that I'm I'm very excited to to see what Kojima's cooking up. Um, I, I hope that there is some. Um, truth to the rumors that some people like that, the, at least the suggestions that Death Stranding 2 is perhaps further along again than it may be in an Indiana Jones style fashion than some people had originally assumed. And that, of course, he's already out there touting um, the uh, the uh, uh, the project he's uh, working on uh, on the Xbox side of things that was at the Game Awards. Um, oh. What was that overdose? Overdose, um, yeah. With the, o actors, uh, yeah. The 
weird non-game film game exactly metahumans and uh, and yeah uh jordan peele and all that kind of nonsense like if that's you know very early on and i presume it is based on everything we saw at the game awards and death and conversely death running two is further along then that's great like i'd love this to show up tell us its name give us a hint at, like what's going to be different and maybe also if they just throw our 2024 up at the end then i'd be really happy with this um there's been some suggestion based on some of the uh things that we saw in that trailer from way back when and also even just the name on the beach that there might be a more nautical element to death stranding 2 than there was in the first one and i think that would be interesting if fundamentally it was still like a delivery man game um but like there was like large bodies of water that needed to be crossed or or you know you know sam porter bridges was going international or something he was mr worldwide pitbull is uh <laughs> sam porter um then that again it's just having even hints at answers to those questions that is always going to make me excited because that's just you know how in tune i am with a lot of the shit that that guy makes um as as weird or as polarizing as sometimes bad as it can be um but beyond that I, i'm kind of just going in with a pretty open mind i've seen some people going way 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 overboard on social media as they usually do because they've seen that it's going to be i think just north of 40 minutes they've heard 15 games we can only guess about 10 of them and some people are like all the usual shit of like your bloodborne twos and all that fucking nonsense comes straight back up all the same nonsense regurgitated every time and i do feel sorry for those people um that they're gonna get their hopes up but i still think that um th it's exciting to hear playstation chiming in uh you know th uh, especially after what i was a little bit disappointed obviously with the showcase last summer yeah and i don't think the state of play that they did at the end of last year did much for me either because again it was really heavy emphasis on just kind of getting spider-man 2 out the door which they did and they did well but i'm ready now to see you know there's a lot of chatter about what playstation has got up its sleeve now i'm ready to start getting more and more hints in that uh, around that beyond just hearing more about final fantasy 7 rebirth uh stellar blade and rise of the ronin all of which will be there i get that they have to touch those bases but like let's flesh out the calendar a little bit more guys like we need we need a few more games yes no i, I i'm completely with you like last year was a little bit lackluster i i will say the idea of a new metro game um you know a i'm worried that might be vr though that's all i'll say don't yeah. don't t d don't take my word on that i'm just worried absolutely could be like it, it does it lends itself to that but at the same time if they were if they were started talking about a new metro game um i think i would i would definitely be interested to see what that looks like coming out on the playstation 5 um also i think the idea of uh would you think that chance we see something like wolverine maybe something pop up i think too early I think it's I not not only do I think it I think it's a mixture of too early for that game and too soon since sorry. all of that um no the leaks. Oh sorry the leaks of course. Yeah, we never actually covered them on the on the podcast because of course they happened in our sort of downtime across Christmas and New Year's but um I I think it would be in 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 their best interests uh Insomniac's I guess best interest just to kind of like keep a low profile. Like if don't get me wrong if Wolverine was planned for 2024 and they had something ready to show that would blow all those leaks out the water and kind of make them irrelevant, I'd say go for it. I just don't think they're there yet. And so I, I think wait a little bit longer, allow the dust to settle on that whole mess um, a little bit more. And I will say, 
that that situation has been mending. It does feel like it doesn't feel like we're sat here going, "Oh my God, look at this from Wolverine." Like every week, there's another Wolverine thing. It, it feels like you know um, the the sleeping dogs are lying in 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 that situation, um, and I think that bodes well for Insomniac uh, in the future, just not quite yet. Yes, no, sure, good point, good point. Um, they de- they definitely need to do something though. I think going into 2024, Sony need to do something big because you say, as you say, last year was not the best for them with regard to like what was coming from them. It was, I think we ended up talking about, um, you know, states of play in the past or reveals in the past that they've done that they blew us away with like three games and to sort of mm-hmm. come off the back of last year with us kind of sort of saying like, so hold on, after Spider-Man 2, what are we really looking at? Like it, it's right. looking a bit light on the ground um, in respect of like first party Sony, Sony stuff. So, hey, all to play for. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to think about like, uh, like, what what it could be time to see. Um, uh, let me. I'm trying. I'm trying to pull. Uh, remind my like, like it, it. We don't know what Ben Studio have been working on since Days Gone. Um, like, any any uh, any chance that there's an ab now that the uh, the remaster has been released of uh, yeah. Last of Us Part 2 do you think there's any well, there's any filth of where it's literally a logo and it just said with like a bit of music and Last of Us and Naughty Dog and so they don't and just like a number three or something they don't do anything except for that if I would then I would wait because it, it's a mixture of things like you said Last of Us 2 has just come out uh, remastered I should say um, you've also got the the fact that um uh, that the, they that they only fairly recently announced that um, uh, that the multiplayer project they've been working on, that the Last of Us Online or whatever, has been fully cancelled. Yeah. Um, so again, I think that's another situation that just feels uh, maybe a little bit too hot. Um, I'd say, and like maybe you let it cool off a little while longer. Maybe wait till the uh, second season of the HBO show has wrapped. Um, and like maybe people are kind of starting to talk about the last of us in a slightly more positive light again, and then you and then you try something there. Um, I, I think Santa, Santa Monica are, are, are kind of like spoken for because obviously the um, we got the Ragnarok's Valhalla DLC at the Game Awards. There's always an outside chance of Sucker Punch. Um, Ghost of Tsushima is beginning to look. Feel, Ghost of Tsushima is beginning to feel like a game that came out a little while ago. You know. Is, do you think um, that they would hold off on that because of Rise of the Ronin, or do you think they would just they wouldn't bother and just keep... you know what? Jo- honestly, Jonesy, that is a a far that is a really good point. And now that you say that out loud, I think that you're right. Almost just to I give also space just to give Rise of the Ronin space to breathe, maybe without having that you know that conversation start to overlap. Yeah, no, I, I think I actually think that's a really a really sound idea. That's the kind of thing that if I were working in the place, the places to do his marketing department, and someone floated the idea of Ghostsushima two, I'd bring up. I, I'd hope to have brought up what you just said. That's sound. That logic. You've also got the idea that um, whatever Naughty Dog do next, whatever Santa Monica do next, whatever Sucker Punch do next, those are all things that are more than big enough to prop up a big tentpole summer show showcase yes. in that E three window. And so I'm sure there would be some people. Like, let's just say there is a Ghost of Tsushima sequel out there. I I don't know. Anyone knows for sure, but that seems to be what many people think. 
you're looking at that and just saying, hey, let's let's you know let's wait four or five months and like that could be our closer in the summer and, and we're done. Mm-hmm. And I think if they keep it under wraps until then, already you've got a bigger showcase than they had last year, so that's great. Um, I the, the only other thing that I can think to mention beyond. I think Medium Molecule would be a bit weird because, again, like the narrative around how Dreams kind of tapered off, and I think there were some redundancies there last year. That feels like a bit of a weird one. The only other studios that I can think of are Bluepoint. We still don't know. They're obviously the like traditionally been the, the remake guys, but now they're doing something that's not a remake, um, something original. We don't really know what that is yet. And... Um, uh, Japan Studio and all the um, Astrobot stuff. I still would love to see a fully fledged Astrobot game, and I don't know if that even exists. I would mean, love. That. We are but, d- yeah. the number of people that I've spoken to who have said like, "Why don't they just make an Astrobot like a full Astrobot game?" And, I, and everyone's been like, "That would oh, we'd love." They must have got back to Sony at some point, and they're like, "Do you know what? Yeah, that's maybe a good idea. Let's uh, let's you know bring that little, bring Astrobot back and get some um, haptics going mental." Because that's what oh yeah, it's what people want. Yeah, oh yeah, like, that would be awesome. I like there still hasn't been another studio internally or externally that has shown more of a mastering of the DualSense controller than they did with Astro's uh, uh, with with Astrobot um, at launch. So fucking throw all the money at them that that, that they need. Like like uh, in in a year where I wouldn't be surprised if the Nintendo Switch Two launched with or around a 3d mario i think the fact that like an astrobot game could get me just as excited as that prospect says a lot about the kind of weight that franchise can hold if they just let it yeah no absolutely yeah i'm i'm there for that <laughs> it was be hilarious as well that that could hold so much weight at like a show at a showcase or a state of play yeah. if they just showed off well, hey guys, we're bringing we're bringing you a full Astrobot game. Are you excited? And everyone just loses their minds. It's like, yeah, that, that that's the that's the version of the industry that I wanna I wanna be a part of, man. Is people because it, yeah, it, that would be fucking rad. Um, and with that, uh, well, I don't think it's, I don't think that's mad. <laughs> no, I'm no, not becoming I, one of those Twitter people, Jonesy. I know, I know, I know. We we are we're saying later in the year that would be rad if we saw something like that, but um. If ever, because it probably will never happen, but yeah. Um, but with that, Bombshell, Astrobot, full-fledged game. Astrobot, Astro, was it Astro's Playroom? Uh, full game, that's what we want. Coming 2025, announced in 2024. Uh, that is the what end of the show. What was the VR one called? Astrobot Rescue Mission. Rescue Mission. That was. I remember playing that and thinking how amazing that was. To pl- to play yeah. that in um the the platforming with the the PlayStation VR was yeah phenomenal like I and I don't think anyone's ever really done that since where you're sort of tracking behind on a little three D platformer like definitely not to that level because that's agreed one of the fantastic implementation of VR which I don't think I've seen like happen since but um, yeah like uh, they well, that's what they illustrated i think in both titles in and out of vr was just a total awareness and acknowledgement of like the genre and like the like me- like mechanically what what made sense for it. and you're absolutely right like uh astrobot rescue mission was this weird thing of like it would be so easy to make like a, a just a generic platformer in vr but the way they kind of acknowledged that virtual reality like the way they made you part of that environment and how mechanically how that game worked was was 
as again they they are a company that have been able to do things with hardware that not many companies have been able to replicate like an understanding of how to tap into what makes that hardware unique and what makes using it feel unique um yeah and no great point that's why i i i, I just like give them all the money uh, really <laughs> just pump pump them with cash and then see what happens um yeah well hey on that note thank you everybody for joining us thank you jamie um this week for uh co-hosting as as always thank your, you um your presence makes this podcast what it is what can i say uh, you're the glue baby um thank you everybody for joining us thank you everyone who's listening or who is watching this um the week or month or year that after it comes out but a special thank you to everyone who's watching uh live everyone in the chat who's chatting away there um, i'm gonna say thank you again to fusion rebel for that 50 dollar uh, uh super chat yeah thank you thank you so much for that that was very that was very very kind and uh, thank you of course to all of our patrons who support us over at patreon.com forward slash super show you are absolute legends and we will see you again next week uh, and then there'll only be three shows left until the big 200 mark your calendars and so with that goodbye bye